Welcome to another episode of The Menopause Project. This is the show where women share their experiences of their peri to post-menopause transition and where experts empower and educate you around different aspects of living well and having a positive mindset. I am your host, Clarissa Christensen. I'm a menopause transition specialist and I am also a speaker and an author. I have a deep passion that women can thrive through this time of life with the right support and knowledge. So join me each week as I interview a different guest on a different aspect of this, probably the biggest transition in a woman's life. So today I have a really great guest in Kaishwaya and I'm really excited to hear her story and for you to hear her story and how that's evolved into the amazing work that she's doing around women and alcohol. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you, Clarissa. I'm really excited to be here today and with your listeners. It's just an honor. So thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you. Carrie, you and I have talked a little bit before about your story, but for the listeners, tell a little bit about how you've come from where you were, the journey you've been on, and how that's led to the business that you now have. Oh, yes. So my entire life, I've, I've been living in what I refer to as in the gray. And what that really means is somebody who isn't quite satisfied or fulfilled or happy where they are. And a lot of it has to do with our childhood trauma or something that has happened to us in the past that has formed a belief in our minds. And what happens for those types of people, which there's millions of us, that sometimes we end up using an addictive behavior or behavior that's not good for us, um, such as, in my case, drinking too much alcohol, that it becomes a problem in our life. For me, I never identified as being an alcoholic or having a serious problem with any sort of substance However, I knew that I was more than just a social drinker, and I knew that I needed to do something in order to remedy the path that I was definitely heading towards. So at that point, I did go the traditional route of Alcoholics Anonymous. I got a sponsor, I read the big book, and I did all the 12 steps, which was fabulous. But after just a few months, Clarissa, I really had a hard time saying, hi, I'm Carrie and I'm an alcoholic. I didn't feel as though that was my truth. Yeah. When did you start drinking or notice that you were drinking more than just socially? Well, I've always um, dabbled in drinking even as, as a younger child. My parents, you know, had parties at the house and whatnot. And, um, but my, my drinking, habitual drinking didn't start until I was in my mid-30s. And that really happened when I was working in the food and beverage business as a waitress, bartender, and then later as a food and beverage manager. And it was so easy. And it's, it's very prevalent in that industry, as it is in many industries, and so widely accepted. So my love of wine became an obsession with wine. I knew everything there was about wine, including <laughs> the bridles, you know, where they came from, um, the balance, and, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I was obsessed. I was really obsessed. And what started off is just one glass of wine at home after dinner or with dinner soon became 
two glasses and then eventually three glasses and eventually four glasses and you know, the whole bottle. Yeah. So when I say eventually, this was over a 10 year period. So this wasn't something that happened quickly. And that's what addiction does. Addiction can happen either quickly or slowly, depending, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but it is, you know, it is something that, that eventually caught up to um, me. And I was at the point where I knew I needed to make a decision because I wasn't liking how I was feeling and I was tired of being tired. Yeah. Do you think there was a reason why you started to drink like that? Or was it, is it just coping or was it any particular point in your life that, that kicked this off? Well, that's an awesome question. All the way up to my very last day of drinking, I would have told you it was my love of wine. I would have stuck to that a hundred percent. I just love it. I just love it. I just love the way it tastes. I love pairing it with food. You know, this was everything yeah. I said to myself. But after going through the healing process of understanding my childhood trauma, how that played a part, how my years of abuse, how my years of self-loathing and not having enough self-love and respect for myself is what caused me to numb out my feelings, my true feelings. And that there is exactly why I started Gray Tonic because I wanted an option for women and men. I also work with men too, for them to feel that it, you know, we, we sometimes think that our problem is if we just, if we could just learn how to moderate our drinking or just learn not to take so much anti-anxiety medication, or we just learn not to eat so much food or sugar, mm. then we'll be okay. You know, it's the then, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's later I'll feel better. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And as we both know, as coaches, it's much more than that. It's something that's deep rooted, but we can't see that because we're in such a fog of craziness, busyness, and the world that we live in, no matter how old you are, you know, it's, it's, it's demanding. And so we put a lot of stress on ourselves. And in order for us to cope with that and not feel the feelings, it's much easier just to numb it. And as women, and I know you specialize in women going through menopause, you know, that is such a hard time. And I'm 53, so I've, I've been through it. I get it. I understand it. And it's so easy just to say, screw it and do the things that are not good for us. And that is what I'm trying to change. I'm trying to bring light to what it means to be living in the gray and to help people get out of the gray area and into a life that they can truly love and claim what's theirs. That's really beautiful, Carrie. I mean, because I think it's so easy, isn't it, to come home at the end of the day, you feel tired, maybe you're not feeling really well mentally, emotionally, physically, and then you take something that kind of ties you over till you crash to sleep or whatever, and you kind of justify it. And, and, you know, you talk about you drinking one and then two and then three and then the whole bottle. I mean, there will be a lot of people out there, particularly a lot of women who will really relate to that's how the pattern unfolds. As you said, it just isn't instantly I'm going from drinking one glass to a bottle. It's kind of over time. It's like you've acclimatized and the two glasses don't do enough. So you add an extra one and an extra one. And it's amazing how quickly you can 
be drinking three, four, five bottles of wine and, and, you know, not really feeling the effects, or at least you don't believe you feel the effects. That's right. That's exactly it. You hit it right on the head. And, you know, for me, it was a habitual thing, right? I'd come home from work. I'd pour, first thing I'd do is I'd pour a glass of wine. Um, and then as I'm making dinner, you know, I'm drinking that wine, then I'd have a glass with dinner, then I'd have one after dinner. And then it was like, well, screw it. There's only, you know, a glass left in the bottle. I'll well finish it. Yeah. So this was, this was my thinking. And honestly, I didn't stop drinking at night until I was ready to go to bed. So, and this becomes the complete numb out. There's no way I was able to perform any work. I couldn't bring home, you know, any work with me because I was never in a state, mental state where I could. And here's the kicker, Clarissa. A lot of women believe that the wine or their, anything that they're drinking doesn't have to be wine, but no. the wine, the, the anti-anxiety medications, yeah. the smoke in the joint, um, smoking a little weed, whatever it is that they're doing is actually helping them fall asleep and they'll have better sleep. And it does the polar opposite. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, there's a false notion uh, that surrounds drinking and, you know, I really want to bring some truth to that and expose it. So my message, I really want to make this clear for so many people is that I'm not telling somebody that they shouldn't drink alcohol. What I'm asking people to do, my battle cry, if you will, is to get people to question the drink. So that is actually my private Facebook group and my movement is called Question the Drink because I want people to be able to be in a place where they can get honest and real with themselves and make that decision if it's something that they want to keep in their life. Of course, I'm an advocate for sobriety because I have not had a, a drop of alcohol in three and a half, over three and a half years now. And I know my life is so much better without it. However, there are people that still can enjoy a glass of wine or two or a drink or two or a martini or whatever it is they enjoy from time to time. And it's not a problem. There is yeah. such a thing yeah, as having a healthy relationship, but it all comes down to what is, is best for you and for you to be really, really honest with yourself. Yeah. And you talked about AA and that it, you didn't identify really with that. Um, how is Great Tonic sort of different from that? Because a lot of people are kind of a bit familiar with AA and think that's yeah. the only route. And I know there are other ways as well, but you know, yes. where, where are the points of difference? Yes, absolutely. that's a great question. First of all, I do want to make sure that, you know, I say this very eloquently that AA has helped of millions of people. It's a great program for those that it works for. It is not for everyone. It is not a one size fits all. And because a lot of people are too ashamed or too embarrassed or not ready for a 12 step program, there are so many other options out there. You know, besides me, there's, there's so many options because I don't refer to myself as a recovery coach or a sober coach. What I do is I am a discovery coach. So I'm helping those individuals really understand their limiting beliefs, understanding what's keeping them stuck in their life so they can yeah. have a fulfilling life without needing any of these coping mechanisms or yeah. aids that we're using. So that's the biggest difference with me is I'm trying to find their inner strength and their power 
and that inner genius that is living inside of them that just is trying to come out. So I help them find that. That's really beautiful because I think that's a way of, of going to another level, isn't it, Carrie? Than just, you know, I'm going to stop doing this and then what? This is a sort of unlocking what your relationship's going to be with whatever it is you take and then how you can uncover yourself if I, to the next level. Where do you go forward from here? That's right. Because, you know, AA really focuses on developing a relationship with a higher power and, you know, God, um, yep. universe, yep. however you want to refer. And, and that is, that is fabulous, right? We all need to have something and to believe in that. And I a hundred percent agree with that. And I love the 12 step program. I think everyone should do a 12 step program. <laughs> yes. but, the, but the issue is, is that, you know, you can't go to a deeper level in a 12 step program. It's a commonality uh, community, right? So it's, it's, it's a way of sharing your thoughts and understanding, Hey, that person has the same thoughts as I do. And that's really great, but that's not getting to the core that what's causing you to feel that way and understanding why you were choosing to do the things that you were doing in the first place that led you to yeah. that place. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference. And that's what I take so much pride on as a discovery coach is I'm able to help people have a new way of thinking, create new neural pathways in their brain and stop the habitual thinking that's caused them to be in this situation that they find themselves in. Yeah. Which is such a painful place because otherwise you're stuck. And, and that's, isn't that why we take the substances or do what we do? Because we're kind of stuck. We can't move forward. And so we're just trying to cope with life as it is. And, and I can see that what you're doing is moving people on, onto the next phase, not to the next level. Yes. Well, the other thing I want to say is, as women, you know, we're really expected to be everything to everyone, you know, and most of us are working. We have families, we're married, so we have to be the maid and the chauffeur and the accountant and the, you know, the, the wife and the mom and the, the stellar employee at work yeah. and, you know, and provide sex to your husband or your spouse when needed yeah. and we're supposed to look good while doing it. Yeah. So we, have, so we have all this pressure put on us that it's hard for us to live up to that. So as women, because we have so much of this, this identity built within us and we, we can't fulfill it all, all of the time, we feel like we're losing and we feel like we're incapable of being the best version of ourselves because we're pulled in so many directions. So that's when we start to lose ourselves a little bit and you know, I can, I completely understand why you get home from work and you're like, oh my gosh, now I got to make dinner and I got to help the kids with the home, with their homework. And I have to pack their lunches and I got to take a shower and I got to, you know, get ready for work the next day. And I mean, you're exhausted. Yes. We're just it's doing way too much. And I think you're right. The women in particular, just so many different roles and we're supposed to be working equally to men in the workplace. And then we've still got uh, too much of the other, other tasks. And that's not saying that uh, our partners are always not doing their share, but we're up at night trying to catch up with all these things that we pile on top of ourselves. And so maybe alcohol or something else becomes a release valve as well here because it seems like you're on this endless conveyor belt 
all yes. stuff to do. Yes, that's a great, great way to look at it, Clarissa. And, you know, and I'll be honest too, when I quit drinking, I, I hear I was, I was sober. And so I, I was thinking my life should be perfect now. And guess what? It wasn't. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to learn how to really find this balance for myself. I was so miserable. You know, I, I didn't love my job. I felt there was no life balance, work-life balance for me. I, even though my kids are grown and out of the house, I still felt there wasn't enough time for me. So I still wasn't happy. And it wasn't until I worked with a life coach that I got to see my truth and I got to the bottom of what was really happening. And that is exactly what drove me to move into this work for myself so I can provide those same life-changing benefits to, to my clients. And I know that's what you do as well, Clarissa. And there's such a yeah. privilege and an honor and it's so humbling and to be that person that can help someone in their journey as well. But I believe that's why I was put here on this earth. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, just humbled that I get to do this. That's beautiful. And I'm sure your clients feel that too. So they go through a program with you at Grey Tonic. Do you work with people individually or do you work with, with groups? Yes. Right now I'm only offering individual one-on-one. -on -one. I believe that the work that I'm doing, it requires full on attention. My clients have me in their back pocket daily. And I mean that literally. I use an app called Boxer, so they're able to communicate with me throughout the day if needed. Um, I do want them to check in at least once with me, especially the first couple months working with me. I offer three and six-month programs. I prefer the six-month because I feel like we can really gain some amazing uh, traction at that point. The three months, we can still get a lot done, which is lovely as well. But I find that the six-month is really the best way to go. Um, and I also have my private Facebook group, Question the Drink, for those that are cool with being in a group setting. Of course, it's Facebook, so. You know. <laughs> yeah, they're not really in a group. We're sort of yeah. in a group, but we're ourselves at home. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, but it is, I do some trainings in their live trainings. And I do take my clients through a methodology of establishing what it means to have a, a powerful state of being and trying to stay in this powerful state. And, you know, it, it's, there's never a final destination with our self-development as a human being. Our, our goal is to keep striving to be the best version of ourselves and to, and to really find our purpose and our passion that fuels us. Because I feel like once we find that, then life becomes so much more meaningful yeah. and it becomes less stressful and with more peace and balance and joy. And at the end of the day, that's all all of us are really <laughs> for in life, right? I mean, Absolutely. I mean, I think everybody would think that was what life really would like to be like. But it feels like life itself gets in the way of that. All these things on our list and all these other people and obligations. But we would really all love to have a life that was like that on purpose, feeling really fulfilled. And, ha and, and because of that, we feel happier. Yes, yes. And that's just it. It's about true, true joy. You know, we all love that word because it's beautiful. It's a beautiful word. But it's more, it's more about having the love for ourselves and to have that deep connection with who we are and that in the self um, acceptance, because that's really what drives a lot of these behaviors 
and the dissatisfaction in our lives is we're not truly happy with who we are as an individual. And that's really sad. You know, I lived that life. I, I, matter of fact, I wrote a blog post that went out this morning, which was a really difficult blog post for me to write because I talk about my childhood trauma. I was bullied as a child. I was teased. I went to 12 different schools in nine years. Wow. I had sexual abuse. I mean, I had a lot of stuff happen to me in my life mm -hmm. and that really carried into my adult life. Now, yeah. whether, you know, not everybody has a story like mine and yeah. I hope not, <laughs> Oh no, no. but you know, the thing of it is, is that I'm a living example that you can go from pitiful to powerful, which is the name of the blog post mm -hmm. because everyone can do it. And here's the thing. Joyce Meyer has a greatest quote and it's, you can be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. Love so. that. And that is very true. You can't be a victim, you know, you, and be powerful. Those two don't sit, sit together. They just don't work because they don't fit together, do they? No. There's a big difference between being victimized and being a victim. And oh, I was victimized, yeah. but yeah. I'm no longer a victim. So, no. no. Yeah. You made that choice as well, though, Carrie, didn't you? Not to be that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And life in general is a choice. It's a decision. And it starts with beliefs. So our decisions are our beliefs. Like whatever we formed as a young child in our mind as a belief system becomes our guiding north for things moving forward in the future. But we have the capacity to change that belief with a decision. And when we can make a decision and that's all it takes, it's the secret to life. But it seems so, it seems too easy for a lot of people just to make a decision, but that's all it really takes. And then we, you know, then we build the supporting evidence around how that is going to be the truth for that person moving forward. And that's how I work with my clients is I show them those possibilities that they can become this amazing, strong individual in their life. The powerful person, not the pitiful one. That's right. That's right. What kind of top tips would you have for somebody, Carrie, who was there maybe drinking more than they know is good for them or maybe some other taking their anxiety medicines or whatever it is that people do. What are some of the first sort of top tips and steps that people can actually make in order to, to begin to go on a different path? Yeah, great question. So the first thing I always recommend is to really pay attention to your thoughts and your emotions that's driving that particular behavior in the first place. So for example, if you find yourself coming home from work or any stressful situation where it's just easy to pour a glass of wine, then go back just a, a minute before that and, and ask yourself, what was the thought or the feeling that I was having that made me want to do that in the first place? Because once you start to see this habitual habit of thinking, then we can start to make some serious progress. But for those that are looking to, you know, be very mindful of their drinking, a couple things is to know what a standard drink is and be honest on how much you are drinking. 
So a standard glass of wine is five ounces. And it's tiny. I, it's, I, tiny. It's, it's, it's I, kind of like yeah. that, isn't it? It's a small glass. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism here in the United States, is they are saying that any more than three drinks in a day for a woman, you're, you're abusing alcohol. So when we can get honest with how much we're actually pouring and how much we're actually consuming, we can start to see that we might be in a dangerous place. So that's important to know. It is. is the guidelines. Yeah. And I think, and I Another think one a lot of our one... big glasses at home yeah. we have, and it's all been very fashionable to have these huge wine glasses shh, and drink two of those. That, that's, oh, yeah. that's oh, yeah. the whole you day. Of me, you know, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. definitely. Definitely. So pacing yourself, drinking water in between drinks, avoiding uh, consuming more than one drink per hour, just to really control what you're doing and get, and again, this comes back to being honest with why you're drinking in the first place, yeah. eating something, you know, instead of, instead of drinking, but you know, that could be dangerous in itself too. So yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. it comes down to like understanding what's driving the behavior, um, noticing your triggers, understanding when you're stressed, you're bored, you're overwhelmed or angry and get really honest. Journaling is a great way to look at those behaviors and the feelings so I always recommend to my clients, start with journaling, start to notice and get really honest with yourself. At the end of the day, the journal is yours. It's sacred scripture for you. Hmm. So when you can read your own handwriting and you're seeing your own words on paper, what's driving you to do the things, this is going to start opening up some truth for you. Avoid having alcohol in the home is another one or setting a rule or goal for yourself, you know, and sticking to it, stick to your intentions, be true yeah. to you. Yeah, that's a good one. When I, I mean, I used to, I mean, I don't drink very much now, but when I did, one of the things when I wanted to cut down was to say, right, there's nothing till Friday. I'm not having a drink from Sunday till Friday. And then just not having alcohol in the home until it was Friday. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly you've created four or five yeah. days that are alcohol free in your house. That's right. And the other, the other thing is don't drink alone. Don't drink alone. That really sets you up. That puts you in a dangerous category. And, you know, you're really putting yourself at a higher risk of abusing alcohol. So those are some of the things um, to kind of start with in terms of tips. But, you know, the other thing is join the private Facebook group, question the drink. There's always tips and suggestions in there. There's live trainings that I'll do. And we really get honest. And again, it's not about, hey, you got to quit drinking. It's about, okay, let me really pay attention to the reasons why. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, and there's all types of people in that group. There's some that are out of rehab. There's some that are still drinking daily. There's some that are just curious. Some have years of sobriety. I mean, it's a variety of people in there. So everybody has a little bit of take on something and it's cool, right? I mean, yeah. No, there's no rules. There's no rules. And that's beautiful. And I think especially for women, because I think there is a lot of stigma around women and drinking. Yes. Yes. Well, there is and there isn't, Clarissa. And yeah. here's the thing. There's so much acceptance and expectance for people to drink. Yeah. And 
part of my mission with Grey Tonic and Question the Drink is to change that landscape of acceptance and expectance because it is not okay that it's so widely accepted everywhere. Listen, not everybody wants to drink, right? There are some people that just don't like alcohol and they feel so left out. There's an inclusion piece that needs to be put into place for those that are choosing not to drink or that are choosing to be mindful. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, the UK is actually, um, somewhat of leading this, this effort in terms of having sober bars, having so many types of non-alcoholic drinks that are super cool. C-Lip is one of them. And I just think there's so many beautiful opportunities for us as a, as a community, as a society in general, that we can really start to shed light on the truths behind alcohol. Because let's face it, it's a drug. It is a oh, drug. Yeah. Yep. yep. It is. It is pure and simple. And, and I think you're right. There's, there's, maybe there's not an acceptance of women being labeled as alcoholics or drinking too much, but there's a lot of, there's a big culture, as you've said, around women um, doing wine time and Prosecco yeah. and all this oh. thing and making it look, yeah, making it okay, look. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not, it's very cool. It's very lovely, but, but actually not realizing the consequences of that. So maybe that's also a great space for people who who feel a bit uncomfortable and don't have any other alternatives. And when you go out on a girl's night out or whatever you go, that becomes the accepted. And, and you're right, the UK is definitely opening up other opportunities, other drinks that taste just as nice. Yes. Are as acceptable as you saying, um, no, I, I, I want to have a, a tonic or something. And people start asking if you're not well or, or on meds or something. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the United States is finally um, waking up. <laughs> we, have, we have a couple of really great sober bars here in the United States. Uh, there's a couple in New York City. One of the most famous ones and that's really making some amazing strides is Sands Bar in Austin, Texas. So, I, you know, I'm a full supporter of them. I believe in this mission. And part of, like I said, part of Grey Tonic's mission is to really change that acceptance an expectance piece because it's time to have a cultural shift. You know, alcohol is destroying a lot of lives. And, you know, not to say that people can't try to find a healthy balance for themselves and that's up to that individual. But again, I'll always stand on the side of sobriety, but I'm never going to tell somebody they need to quit drinking. That has to be a choice for that person. And my job is to bring awareness of what the gray area is how dangerous it can be, but it's also a place of opportunity of discovery. So it's a really cool place to be in because, you know, and, and as I say all the time, listen, once you see something and it's in front of you, you can't ignore it and you can't unsee it. So when you're faced with the decision and you're standing at a road and you can either go left or right, you have to make a decision. So there, it becomes a responsibility is what it comes down to. Yeah. And ultimately, everything in our life, everything is a choice. Everything. Absolutely. Everything is a choice. A choice of how we react or go on a habitual path or if we choose to respond differently. That's right. And, you know, the gray area isn't a place of a severe addiction. The gray area is a place that you're kind of teetering in between that. Could I be? Maybe I'm not. I might be, 
area. So the people that I work with don't identify as being an addict or an alcoholic or having a serious addiction. They're sort of in that in-between space. And if I can help people before they get to that stage, oh my goodness. I mean, the a massive amount of lives that would be impacted because it's not just the client that I'd be working with. It's their family. It's their coworkers. It's yeah. all the people that they touch. So, yeah. you know, it starts with just one and you know, the goal is to reach millions and uh, I'm on a mission. So <laughs> hopefully <laughs> I can make it happen. We'll see. I think you're well on a mission there, Carrie. I can see that. So, how can people get hold of you? Um, apart from the Facebook group, how Absolutely. can they get connected with you? So I would love if they would go to my website, which is Gray Tonic, G-R-A-Y, tonic, it's all one word, dot com. And I sign up for my email newsletter while you're there. But if you want to schedule a discovery call with me, it is complimentary. I have on there, it's 45 minutes, but quite honestly, I tend to go over. So plan on an hour at least. And we see if we're a good fit. I see if I can help and if I'm the right person for that individual. And if I am, I invite them to work with me. And if not, I'll, I always recommend somebody who I think would be a better fit. So it's massive value regardless. The website itself has a lot of blogs um, that I've written over the past year. I'm actually in the, just getting ready to start my book. I have quite a bit of it written already, but it's a matter of kind of putting it all together. So that's going to be on the lookout. I'm on Instagram, gray underscore tonic, Facebook, gray tonic on Instagram. Um, I already said that in LinkedIn and Twitter, all gray tonic. So pretty easy. <laughs> <to find. laughs> that's wonderful. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on and sharing a snapshot of your own journey of the work you're doing within gray tonic. And also just some good basic tips that people could start to begin to question and manage their own drinking or other addiction or taking of extra substances that may not be helpful at home. That's right. And, and I'll leave it with this. I'll end with this. If all I've done today is plant a little seed of possibility or hope for someone, then I've done my job. Thanks for having me on, Clarissa. It's been really fun. It was my pleasure. And I'm sure you did plant some seeds. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Menopause Project. Next week, we're going to be talking pelvic floor and much more with menopause coach Jade Blinkenhorn. If you want to know more about how you could thrive through menopause, then jump onto my website, clarissachristiansen.com and feel free to download some of the workbooks around self-care and quietening our over-busy minds. Until next time, go well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.